Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan here tonight as we bring you Talking in Circles. Tonight we're talking about the week that was at Charlotte Motor Speedway and previewing next week, this weekend's races at Bristol Motor Speedway, a special Friday night edition of Talking in Circles after rain washed out the cup race on Wednesday night. We were supposed to do our show on Thursday. Cup race got pushed to Thursday. Talking Circles gets pushed to Friday. That's how that works. Uh, it was a crazy week here at Charlotte Motor Speedway, a week that saw four races. Um, obviously, the Cup Series race on Sunday, the Coca-Cola 600, the Xfinity Series race on Monday, the Truck Series race on Tuesday, and then the Cup Series race, which ended up being on Thursday, the Osco Uniforms 500. So a lot to talk about. Um, when you look at the Charlotte weeks as a whole, there was a few few drivers who really had strong weekends, and there was a few drivers who really or a few drivers who had really strong week, I should say, and a few drivers who struggled mightily uh, at, at Charlotte Motor Speedway for whatever reason or another. We're going to talk about that as well. We'll also take your phone calls nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. That is the number to call here tonight if you want to talk about anything NASCAR racing here. Uh, let's talk about the first, which was the Coca Cola six hundred. Brad Keselowski ended up in victory lane, and then it was Chase Elliott in second, Ryan Blaney third, Kyle Busch fourth, and Kevin Harvick fifth. The rest of the top ten, Martin Truex Jr., Kurt Busch, Tyler Reddick, Chris Rebell, and Chris Buescher. And for people who forget how that race ended, Chase Elliott was in the lead with two laps to go. Uh, a caution came out when William Byron spun, and it came down to a pit road decision. Chase Elliott and Alan Gustafson decided to pit on the number nine car. And uh, it cost him. He ended up restarting 11th. Chase was, only, was able to fight his way back at the time to a third-place run. He ended up finishing second due to Jimmy Johnson's disqualification. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. Um, we'll start with you, Philip, since he's your guy. What was your thoughts on Brad Keselowski's victory uh, on Sunday at the Coca-Cola 600? we got to take it. I mean, he hadn't, he hadn't won the 600, and he makes a big, it's a big deal for – the majors and out now outside of the Daytona 500, he's won all of them. And it's a big deal for him. It's a big deal for Penske racing, the new uh, combination he has <clears throat> at, with the team and crew chief, the, the, the pit crew helped them out late in the race with track position. And they made a call to stay out, which they did the same similar kind of thing at Darlington almost worked out there in the second race. It did work out on Sunday. Clyde probably should have won the race, and, uh, you know, his own teammate went and spun out and uh, probably cost him there. But uh, he took tires, that decision, and Alan Gustafson's been guilty of making that decision over time and, and it not working, and it was another example of that. But, you know, Brad Keselowski winning that race. Penske now has two cars in the playoff in a contract year. We discussed it in in his interviews, both on TV but more offline during the press conference about there's really um, he really doesn't know where what's going on. He hasn't really given any information where he's going or what's going on. It doesn't seem like everything is lining up at the moment for him to return. So. Uh, we've talked about that in detail here over this season about what Brad's probably going to be doing. So for them to win the 600 is a big deal. Uh, the, the race itself, I wouldn't have thought the way it ran and the way he ran that he would have won the race, but you just have to be in the right place at the right time sometimes. And he, there's been times, and he said it, where he lost 600s where he probably had a chance. And, uh, this time he was he, he took advantage uh, of track position, and, and you got to take it. I mean, it doesn't matter how you win the race. It doesn't matter how it looks. It just matters what it says at the end of the day. And his car, he passed his car passed direction. He got to go to victory lane in what probably will be Miller Lite's last race uh, in NASCAR, which is also a shame, but that's a separate story for his separate time. But uh, big deal mm-hmm. for Brad and that team, Penske, uh, getting two of the top three. Uh, Logano led laps too, but uh, the I would say there's other players that were involved in this race that really have a lot to look forward to 
in the long term, even though the short-term return wasn't as good as they may have wanted. Yeah, it was an interesting event, and one that really saw the 600 at least. Um, Chevrolet really performed very, very well. When you look at, at that race, the 600, it was Kurt Busch. He led 54 laps in that one. Chase Elliott, of course, we talked about how close he was to winning. Alex Bowman might have had the best car all night. Finished 19th after really getting kind of bulldozed on a restart, uh, and he ended up 19th. William Byron, who was the top 10 car all day, ended up 20th. And then, of course, Jimmy Johnson with his big disqualification. He led six laps, but Jimmy found himself up front for most of the night and really in a good good spot to strike and get the win. And, and so that's what I kind of want to focus on. They also performed very well on Thursday on last night's race, the Chevrolet teams with Chase going to victory lane. Uh, Kurt Busch was finished in the top five. Austin Dillon was very, very strong last night, ran in the top ten for most of the night. Tyler Reddick has been very, very impressive. Uh, Jimmy Johnson had a decent day, not a great day, a decent day. William Byron a good day as well. It wasn't as noticeable last night, Spencer, as it was for the 600, but it seems to me that these Chevrolet teams, the Hendrick Motorsports of the world, the Richard Childress Racing of the world, and even Ganassi, Kurt Busch, I know it's been a struggle for Matt Kenseth here recently, um, but even Ganassi has shown some speed, these Chevrolet teams. Do you think this is a sign of things to come for Chevrolet? with this package here in a mile and a half so what we've seen, uh, or was this sort of something that, well, they've, they've run good here these couple of weeks. These teams will eventually get their arms around it. What were your thoughts on, on the uh, events at Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Chevrolets? No, I think Chevy's found something as a whole. Um, you know, they're fast. You know, Chase has been fast. You know, he could arguably won three races. Um, you know, boom, boom, boom. I mean, he's that quick. Uh, Johnson was running up front at Darlington, could have won a stage. Um, he was running up front at the 600, finished second, DQ'd, but that's a whole other deal. He was still up front all night. Um, and then Bowman, he's been winning stages. Um, and for what Reddick's been able to do the past two races, and um, he was even fast at Phoenix. So Chevy has definitely found some speed. Um, you know, what they're doing at the race shop, I don't know. I don't work there but what they're doing is working and it's working for all of them. You know, you mentioned mostly it's working for Hendrick because they're the stable of Chevy. Um, so, you know, a lot of teams, you know, Chevy, you, you know, they run their motors unless you're, you know, your RCR. So um, they've Chevy has probably got together and had a meeting with all the owners and all the big executives and all that in the racing department and said, look, we got to do something um, because they were getting beat there for a few years. So, you know, they found something. I think it's going to work. And, you know, Toyota's been off. Um, I don't know. if, it's, And it's not just because Chevy's so good. I mean, Truex was awful last night. Um, never really found his way to the front until there at the end. Um, so, Chevy, if they keep it going right now, you know, they can look at winning a title. If you ask me, I would say Chase is your guy right now. If you said who's going to win the title based off his running, Chase is the guy. I mean, he's been up front. He's just uh, he's had bad luck and – you know, he won the truck race, and um, things are really going his way, and you start winning, and Chevy starts running well. It boosts your momentum, your confidence, and, you know, a lot can go your way, and you're going to have a hell of a season. So, um, great job by Chevy, what they've done so far. Yeah, no doubt the most consistent speed. I think the guy who's really made a name for himself as far as being knocking on a championship door here in this, since we've returned to racing, has been Chase Elliott. I know he's only got one win in that time period, but he's been very, very fast. Philip, I want to get a little bit of your opinion on the uh, Jimmy Johnson disqualification uh, on Sunday night. Obviously, the Coca-Cola 600, and we moved on to run a race on Thursday, so it's old news. But it was very interesting. I haven't seen that in a long time. Um, a guy that a lot of people think, you know, him and, and Chad Canal sort of have that reputation together for pushing the envelope uh, in years past. They got in trouble along for a, a while for a lot of different situations. Here they say the part broke on number 48 car, but NASCAR basically said we don't really care why it was out of tolerance. It was out of tolerance. He got disqualified. It hurt him. Uh, I, I guess I'm looking at it from, from two ways. He didn't have a great night last night, Phillip, finishing in 11th, and he really wasn't anywhere close to where he was on Sunday. Do you think from a performance standpoint that this was an advantage for this number 48 team? And what do you think about the repercussions moving forward? Um, and also, we'll also get to Denny Hamlin's penalty from – uh, Charlotte as well. Um, what are your thoughts? 
I mean, for, for Johnson to fail inspection, I mean, we got used to that over the years. The same way as Gibbs cars seem to fail inspection on the regular, whether it's usually they port, they position it with the 19 car, uh, they could they protect the 11 and the 18. The, the Jimmy failing inspection, I mean, it's kind of shocking to go and have a car fail. Uh, it doesn't happen all that often in general in all three series to go and get all the way over there and it, uh, fail inspection. It's, it's not a good look. It would have been a worse look if he had won number 84. It would have been akin to what Richard Petty did back in 1983 at Charlotte when he won number 198 in the 500-mile race. And then NASCAR threw the book at them and fined them and did all this. They let him keep the win. But win 198, 198 basically destroyed Petty Enterprises and Richard Petty ended up driving for Mike Curb. Uh, Dale Inman went and soon after went and moved over to, or I don't moved over to the Hagen Racing Team with Terry Labonte and Maurice, his brother, ended up uh, stopping making engines for a while. So it's 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 crazy how that could have worked out that way, and they 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 uh, dodged a bullet there. You consider that Chase and and Bowman were two of the fast cars. All the Hendrick cars are fast. Johnson looked good all day. He's been looking good since this return. Uh, Who knows what it really means in the grand scheme of what they're going to do this whole entire season. It's not a great thing because he hasn't won in over 100 races now. He wants to win one race just so he can get over that hump and then tie those great legends. Uh, But you can quit Daniels played it in a way that he's trying to kind of do CYA. I give Cliff Daniels credit in the sense that, you know, it, it, he took the, he bit the bullet because I think they're trying to figure out things for the nine car and the 88 car who seem to be the people, the teams that could contend for a championship this year. And Cliff Daniels was like, Hey, you know, if this comes off, we may win and whatever. I, I mean, I'm not surprised that Jimmy Johnson held inspection after all the years that they won and did whatever, but I also am not, it really doesn't bother me all that much because frankly, when you consider what Jimmy Johnson is now relative to where he was before, not really affecting anything. So I think Denny Hamlin and what they're doing uh, is a little bit more egregious, but there's that they're in a different place. Mm. Yeah, and and you say that, and there, here's a question I want to propose to Spencer Cowan, and if you weren't not sure what we're referring to with uh, Denny Hamlin, if you missed the race on Sunday, the Coca-Cola 600, Denny Hamlin, really when they took off, if you remember that race was a little bit rain-delayed there, they took off and went, and uh, there was something that jumped out of his race car. We didn't really know what it was at first, and it ended up being ballast, and uh, – NASCAR made Hamlin come back down and sit on pit road until it was the weight was back in his car, uh, and he lost several laps and he ended up finishing that race um, in the uh, 29th position at Coca-Cola 600. Had no chance at, at coming anywhere close to a win, uh, and was just multiple laps down all night long. Last night he really really rebounded and finished in the second spot. But I guess the question I'm pitching to you, Spencer Cowan, is, and I know I'm kind of putting you on a spot here, but um, Denny Hamlin loses his crew chief and his engineer and his car chief for four races. Um, they also got a fine. But Joe Gibbs has a lot of depth. Last night he goes out there with without those um, three guys and goes out and finishes second. Does a great job there. Uh, Jimmy Johnson lost, uh, I'd say, somewhere between 40 and, and 35 points from his Coca-Cola 600 infraction. Um, do you think Jimmy Johnson got – kind of the harsher penalty here for something to me that Jimmy's wasn't nearly as as bad as as far as safety is concerned and all that as Denny Hamlin's. Um, it's just kind of awkward how that works because there's no doubt that, you know, your crew chief's the guy you're looking at, but especially in this day and age where, um, you know, you just show up and race and the crew chief, I'm sure, is is texting the, the, uh, the, the 
current crew chief, Sam McCauley, tell him all the things to do with these with this car. Uh, to me, it's not as big of a deal for Denny Hamlin. So I guess what I'm asking you is, who do you think got the harsher penalty, in your opinion, Denny Hamlin or Jimmy Johnson? Uh, well, first, I think bringing them down pit road and fixing the issue was the right call by NASCAR. Everybody else has it. You should have it, too. Uh, nobody else's flew out. Yours did, so you should pay the consequence. Um, four races for the penalty, I think, is a lot. Um, you know, that's a month worth of racing just for something that flew out. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, his crew chief and the engineer and the car chief didn't put it in there to fly out. It's, you know, you know they're human. They made mistakes. Whoever put that under the race car wasn't intending on it flying out. Um, and then to have such a good run with Johnson and getting DQ'd, and you mentioned Hamlin, it didn't really affect him. He still finished second. I don't know if something. I'm just gonna if something goes wrong with your car, you should have to pay a penalty. Whether it's a fine, whether you lose your crew chief, car wasn't right, it didn't match the book, and there's a rule book for a reason, and it says that. And you know everything you do has a rule, and you have to go by it. Um, I don't know. It didn't really affect you know, Hamlin. So I'd have to say Johnson a little bit just because, you know, he lost his stage points. Um, he gets, he got one point for a hell of a run that he did. Um, and you know, them points could end up costing him making, you know, to the next round later on or anything. You never know what it might do. So, um, but it not really affecting, uh, you know, Hamlin just by losing his, you know, people on top of the box, you know, the main people in that crew, um, you know, I would have to say Johnson to hit him worse. You know, you lose a lot of points, and, you know, he might miss the next round by one point, and you're going to look back and say that race cost you. You could be going to the next round. Um, but your car wasn't right, and that's what happened. So uh, Johnson definitely got the bad end of it. Yeah, it is interesting because, you know, you think about Hamlin, and, and we talked about how he had to be on pit road. NASCAR forced him to go down to pit road. Um, so he did lose. Technically, he had no chance of winning the 600, and he probably lost about, 25, 30 points because of the fact that he finished in 29th. He probably would have been up in the top 10 somewhere if you go how Denny Hamlin's run. So technically it was a big penalty to sit on pit road for him as well. But I'll say this, um, you know, you, you said, especially you hit the nail on the head. I agree with you where you say, Hey, you know, you need to, uh, if your car doesn't weigh the same, um, you know, if somebody has ballast, you, know, you, need, you need to put it back in there. My question is, did they ever check a car at the end of the race? to make sure they put the right amount back in because, you know, it's hard. You can't tell by the, by the naked eye how much weight was added to that car after they told them to put it in there. Now, obviously it doesn't matter because Hamlin was so many laps down, but still just for a future, something for the future like that might happen. Um, you know, they should absolutely weigh the car and say, listen, you guys were and if they weighed the car and they were five pounds lighter, say, you know, penalize them for that too. Um, that's the way I look at it at least. So, uh, kind of interesting night there on Sunday as far as the penalties were concerned. And a guy, you know, who you really feel for there is Jimmy Johnson just by looking at it. And we'll look at the points here in a little bit, but it really hurt him points-wise. It really did. Um, but I want to kind of talk about the recaps. And, and something I, I've, I've noticed, and, and Spencer, you brought it up, about the uh, Toyota teams and how the Toyota teams just seem to be a little bit off. And, you know, last night we didn't see a Toyota team lead – Lead, to, lead, lead laps at all. It was all uh, Chevrolet's or Fords out there. Um, you know, so that's kind of a, a, a mile-and-a-half track, a track that Martin Truex Jr. two years ago, three years ago, led like every single lap. For Toyota not to lead a lap is kind of shocking. And Martin Truex Jr. right now on points, guys, sits seventh, which is not bad. But, you know, Denny Hamlin's had a great year. There's no question he's eighth in points. He's, he's got two wins. He's been great. But what if I told you that Kyle Busch, was 12th in the standings and has not led a lap since the Daytona 500. Now, that's the only race he's led all year, the Daytona 500. Now, I know um, you're going to sit there and say, ah, kind of, I mean, a lot of people would, would kill to be in Kyle Busch's shoes to go out there and after eight races, you know, uh, sit there and, and be in points, be 12th in points, and we're sitting there struggling. Well, you kind of got to wonder that. I mean, he has he's led 14 laps all year, all of them in the Daytona 500, We've run Vegas, Fontana, Phoenix, Darlington, and Charlotte, two races at both Darlington and Charlotte, and he's yet to lead a lap there. And they they figured out in the Coca-Cola 600, they figured out at Darlington that they were able to get up there and run in the top five. 
but it took him a little bit to get up there, and it hurt him stage points-wise. It hurt him leading laps. It hurt him going out there and getting track position. And, you know, you think about what Kyle Busch the other night at the truck race when he vocal, came out and was very, very vocal and very, very disappointed in the events that took the place in that truck race, which we'll get to a little bit later in the show. But you have to wonder, Philip, if this is starting to wear on him and Toyota is starting to go, hey, we're in some kind of trouble here. One of my things I've talked about with, with this pandemic, with what we're dealing with with, this race, with these races, is the fact that once you're behind, it's going to be really hard to catch up because you don't have practice sessions to go out and try some things. And I wonder if Toyota's sort of in that boat right now where, you know, some of these Toyota especially, you know, we haven't seen the 95 perform very well with Christopher Bell. And I understand but he hasn't done great. Um, Kyle Busch is struggling. I, I, I think Truex is a little bit off. We haven't really seen the Toyotas perform like they normally do. Is this a possibility to where this could be something that is prolonged two, three months as this pandemic and the way we race goes on without practice sessions, without qualifying sessions? Uh, are you concerned at all, Philip, about the Toyota camp? Well, if you are a Toyota fan, um, I would say that you could be concerned. You should be concerned. Uh, I mean, Hamlin we can get into semantics about how fortunate he's been to win either or both of the races that he's won this year. But now that he has, and he's dropped ballast all over the racetrack and it didn't matter, it doesn't make a difference. He's going to the playoff. He has points. He's okay. He didn't really uh, pay a real penalty at Charlotte minus not really having a chance to win for reasons, whatever to him. Uh, when you're Kyle Busch, you expect him to kind of do what he always does and win at some point, and then that'll kind of fix things. It's really a case of with with Truex and, and Kyle Busch, can they win at some point? I believe no matter what, where Toyota is or Joe Gibbs is, they'll, they'll find a way to win. Uh, you know, you consider that this time next month there'll be a Pocono and you can kind of get crazy with a little bit of strategy and it's a shorter race and there's some weird things you could do at Pocono compared to other racetracks. And Indianapolis, which is one of Kyle Busch's best racetracks, you, I think there's a place right there that you could go and kind of make something happen. They've made rules changes with the 550 package, which definitely suits the Toyota and the Toyota engine, which makes Talladega, which is a wild card in general, a great place for them to go and do something. Uh, you go to Bristol. It's a track where Kyle Busch has won in every series a trillion times. We could be coming back here next week, whenever the show is, and saying, oh, well, we're, we're talking about, oh, man, Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch. Um, but as big of a douche as he is, the guy can drive a race car. It's the same thing with Truex. They'll figure it out. I think it's a bigger problem because Truex has a new crew chief than it is for Kyle Busch because him and Stevens have been through a lot through all these years. Um, Danny Hamlin doesn't have to worry about anything. I'd be more concerned about an Eric Jones. I'd be more concerned about a Chris Bell who's a rookie and trying to get used to a whole new rules package that really doesn't fit his driving style. Uh, Toyota is behind, but there's less cars. Uh, you think about like what Spencer talked about earlier with Chevy and how, and we both of you guys talked about with how far Chevy's been behind and how many different teams are affected by that. When you bring it to simplest terms, Toyota's five teams. I mean, Daniel Suarez is just out there. Uh, and they don't have the. I don't think they fully are a Gibbs affiliate. You have five teams. You have the sim. They have the 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 sim situation and all that. They have R and D people. I think that it's a limited thing where they'll be able to figure it out. Uh, and and when you consider the people they have driving those race cars, I have a feeling like. It'll probably be figured out by this time next month. There's a possibility that one or both of them will have had a win, and it's a whole bunch of nothing. Uh, but if we're sitting here a month from now and the only Toyota that's won is Benny Hamlin, 
and there's probably sirens that have to be set off for sure, and not the Dawsonville siren either. For sure, and and it's it's a to me it's a, just I wouldn't be alarmed yet. I wouldn't be putting the alarm on, and, and when you're right, Philip, we could totally go to Bristol and say you know things can totally change. Toyota could go there and dominate, but this is a, that's a different package than what we've seen here in a mile and a half. So I think the next yeah. mile and a half is Homestead or Atlanta. I think it's Atlanta and then Homestead. I think after those three races, Atlanta and then the two at Homestead or the one at Homestead, wherever however many it is, I think after those races. We'll get a clear picture if Toyota's behind or not, um, because it's those are rough to, 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 to ponder for for those teams. But I'm going to ask you a, a Spencer a question, Spencer, and then I'm going to ask Philip. And you know, I'm kind of putting you guys on a spot here. I understand that, but you know, so I'm going to I want to know um, the driver you've been most impressed with so far this year. And the season is very very early, eight races into the year, and then the driver who's Kind of surprised you the most who hasn't performed as well. Driver or team, it doesn't matter. Um, so, you know, there's been a lot of guys out there. And what I mean by impressive is is drivers who have so, sort of raised your eyebrows and, and kind of surprised you as far as being very good. And disappointed is drivers who you expected to be really good and have not performed up to their standards. So I'll start with you, Spencer. Um, who have you been most impressive? Who have you been most impressed with? And then who have you been most disappointed with so far early in the 2020 Cup season? Well, man, there's two guys that come in mind. And one of them you're going to be like, really, wow, the biggest is Chase Elliott. Yeah, he wins. You know, he has three wins last year. But he is on a roll. I mean, he has been up in the front leading these things. Coming down the wire, he's up front, has really fast race cars. And, he, and don't don't get me wrong, I've known he's been good. Hendrick wouldn't have signed him at the age he did if he wouldn't think he was good. I thought he was good at juniors. But these past two years, and especially this year, he is really like, wow, this kid's, you know, he's something else if he has a good race car. Um, and like I mentioned, he's championship material right now. And it's, you know, it's like he's he's in this streak and he's not going to stop. Um, and he's really kind of raised some eyebrows. He's like, dang, you know, this guy could, you know, if he keeps it up, you know, we could see him, you know, holding the trophy, you know, it's supposed to be Phoenix, but we don't really know with this pandemic. So wherever it is, wherever this thing finishes, he could be the champ. And his father was an amazing race car driver. You know, he's surrounded by great people, but he has really, really impressed me. Um, and I'm not saying he was junk years before. It's just this year, something about him, you know, he's just always up front. His attitude's changed. He's gotten a little bit more cockier. But, you know, if you can back it up, be a little cocky. So be it. Um, you know, he's having fun with it, and he's really on a roll. And guys that I'm shocked by and um, thought would have better is the Toyotas. Um, and, you know, you basically mentioned the stats as Kyle Busch. He led 14 laps in the Daytona 500 and haven't led a lap since or in race nine, I believe, somewhere around there. Um, and that's not like Kyle Busch. You know, you're used to, I mean, I haven't used Kyle Busch in fantasy in, I think, about four weeks because he has not been running good. Um, you know, he's not getting a lot of points. You know, he's finished 11th in the first stage. There's no, you know, there's no points there. He's just not up front contending like he no, like we normally are. I mean, every week, you know, we'd get on here. Who's going to win? Kyle Busch. Well, now that's not the case. You know, they've kind of set back, and it's like Phillip said, you know, it, if you're a Toyota fan, you would be worried. Uh, because they're not all running good. Yeah, they trickle up in there and pass a few cars and get up there, but they're having problems, speeding penalties, parts flying out the race car. And, you know, that's not, you know, that's, you can't have that stuff if you want to run up front, win races and go for championships. And it's alarming, that's for sure. Um, he's, that's, I'm shocked that they're running like that. But there was a couple years ago or last year where he went on a streak where he wasn't winning for a little bit too. So I don't know, but they'd better fix it now or so, or, you know, they'll find themselves not. Uh, going for a championship and containing the streak that they have doing that. So um, Chase Ellen and Kyle Busch are my answers for those questions for sure. And before I give my um, suggestions, my answers to the, to the questions I'm asking you guys, I want to go to Philip first and get his take. I mean, uh, I know we're only eight races into the year, but and it's such a different year than what we expected coming in with everything that's going on. Uh, but, you know, we still have now a good chunk of races under our belts here with eight. Who's been most impressive to you, Philip, and who's been the biggest disappointment so far? 
I'll go with another Hendrick guy. I know uh, Spencer went with Chase. Uh, I'm going to go with Alex Bowman. Uh, the way he ran at Montana, how dominant he was, what he's done so far in this return, while the finishes in some cases have not come through, when you consider he's already won a race, he's fourth in points, in actual points, and he has two top five finishes. When you consider that the 88 car in general, Spencer being a junior fan, understands the 88 car has struggled over the years and had its had its moments. And now Alex Bowman, with Greg Ives, who was Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s crew chief at the end of his career, I think finally they've, they've quit. And this package seems to have worked. They don't have a full funding situation. Bowman is still kind of racing for his career. And Bowman's an aggressive guy. So you're going to have a lot of volatility. You're going to have him run up front, but he's liable to hit the fence and destroy his race car like he did yesterday. But he has the ability. He has the talent. He has the the, the personality. A lot of He's well-liked across a lot of platforms. He's a guy that, I mean, you would have thought how many years ago when his car was catching fire at Tommy Baldwin Racing and then the freaking fireman dude fell out the truck. Like, there's no way that Alex Bowman's going to be driving a Hendrick car and being a contender for a championship. But, like, talking what Spencer said about like fantasy and using Kyle Bush. Like, now, when I'm thinking about teams, I'm like, I have to go for Alex Bowman. I mean, I would have never thought that. He's, I never thought about him being in that level. You know, he's he's in rarefied air right now. You're talking about Harvick. You're talking about Logano. He's ahead of Brad, Martin Truex. I mean, he's fourth in points, so he's ahead of virtually uh, – he's ahead of multiple champions. So it's, it's something to be said about him. Um, in terms of disappointment, I'll say Clint Boyer. When you consider Harvick's leading the points, and he's got a lot, he's got an average of a 5.4 finish, which is, you know, elite over super elite uh, finishing average. And you have Eric Almarola with with his team, which granted, which is his old team, and Eric Almarola is beating him in points right now. Uh, he has three top ten finishes. Boyer only has two top ten. Uh, the average finish is two position. It looks like yeah, three and three positions better. To me, it, what's the problem? You know, they've. It, it sounds like what they were doing with what it was like Danica passed the thoughts, the crew chief, the this, the that, the other thing. Clint Boyer, everyone loves him on Fox and he's a goofball and all that. Well, the way he's going, he can go and be on Fox in 2021 because that's probably where he belongs. He's being protected by the fact that the 41 is driving tailback because Cole Custer really has no clue. They had somebody who could drive in, in the 41 car, then he probably would be behind him too. I mean, last year, they blamed Bugger Avich and that whole team, and he, he was on the bump last year in points. He was bumped in the playoffs. He was 16. Now he's basically trying to do the same thing. And it's the same group of people he was with last year. But you look at where points at, I feel like Tyler Reddick's going to end up passing him. Austin Dillon is going to – I can't believe I'm going to say this, but they Austin Dillon's going to pass him. And Austin Dillon's picking Austin Dillon. Uh, Byron has had enough speed that he should be ahead of him. Johnson lost, as you said earlier, he's lost 35 points. If you take the 35 points, he'd be ahead of freaking Clint Boyd. Right now he's 14, yep. he'd be 15th or 16th. So I, I, I say Clint Boyd. Interesting. Yeah, those are two very interesting uh, takes. Uh, I agree with you on, on both of me. Even Spencer's I agree with. But I'm going to go, and, I, and I'm kind of going by my own rules here. I'm kind of breaking my own rules, I should say. But I'm going to give you two guys for guys I've been very impressed with so far this season. One, you just mentioned him, uh, Philip, is Tyler Reddick. And I, 
understand Tyler Reddick is a rookie and maybe, you know, he's a two-time Xfinity Series champion, but to come in here in his first full year on a team at Richard Childress who hasn't had a lot of success in the last five to ten years, to go out there, and I know he's 17th in points, and you go, oh, he's 17th in points. He's not that great. He, you know, he was running in the top 10 at Phoenix before he had, I think he blew a tire there, and in, yeah. and it crashed and finished 33rd. He was in the top 10 that day. If he don't wreck there and he stays out of trouble in the Daytona 500, we're talking about a guy who can be in the top 10 in points. They've been very solid, very consistent. Since we've come back in the four races, he's come back 7th, 13th, 8th, and 14th. Uh, it's been very, very impressive for Tyler Reddick. And the other guy I've been very impressed with, and uh, I know this might shock some people, but I'm going to go with John Hunter Nemechek. Now, I know John Hunter, and I was very critical of him a few years ago when people mentioned him going to the one before Kurt Busch was there. I said I did not think John Hunter Nemechek was ready to take that ride. I still stand by that, and I'm not sure he's ready for a big cup ride just yet. But so far, in this 38 car, he's done a very, very good job. Uh, Since we've come back, he finished ninth at Darlington. Of course, he had that incident at Darlington right after that, which was early in the race. He finished 35th, 16th, and 13th at Charlotte. Two very good runs. A top 20 run for a front-row motorsports team is very, very impressive. And he almost has back-to-back top 15 runs, which is unbelievable. So uh, give John Hunter Nemechek and um, Tyler Reddick a rookie, the two rookies that I'm going to go with as far as guys who have really impressed me, which is coincidentally – the guy I'm going to go with who's my biggest disappointment is also a rookie. Now, I don't know if I put this on record, guys, but I truly felt this way of guys who I thought was going to win Rookie of the Year. And I've come out and said, oh, I think it's going to be Christopher Bell. I think Bell is 100% ready. I think he's going to do well. He's going to have a strong association with, with Joe Gibbs Racing. They're going to go out there, and they're going to run really, really good. He has done none of that. It's been a major, major disappointment for Christopher Bell. He's nowhere near the front. He doesn't get any stage points. I know he finished 11th at Darling, the second Darlington race and 9th in the Coca-Cola 600, but that's really been it. That's all we've seen at Christopher Bell all year. Now, it's a 95 team, but Jason Ratcliffe is a crew chief. That's a Joe Gibbs racing guy there. And for him to sit 29th in points after eight races behind guys who, and no disrespect to them, but their race teams are nowhere near his. Behind uh, Ryan Newman, who missed three races. He's behind Ryan Newman in points right now. He's behind Michael McDowell. He's behind Bubba Wallace. He's behind Ty Dillon. I mean, you have to be better than that if you're Christopher Corey Bell. LaJoy. And that's a guy who – Corey LaJoy, exactly. Thank you. I go fast racing. You have to be better than that. I'm not expecting him in his rookie year to go out there and set the world on fire and win eight races. But this is a guy who won 15 races in the last two years in the Xfinity Series. And to come out in the first eight races and run like he has, is an extremely, extremely disappointment for me for Christopher Bell. So uh, I think he, as far as biggest disappointment is concerned, Bell rings the bell for me. Uh, it's been an unbelievably hard first eight races for him. And if he can, you know, to me, he's got to find it here. And I, I hate to, to overemphasize something and say um, something to the nature of, you know, overreact a little bit because we're so early in the year. But he's got to pick it up a little bit if he wants to make the playoffs. You know, I don't see him going out and winning a race this year. He can't get too buried in the points if he wants to make the playoffs on, on his points. So he's going to have to start picking it up, and he's going to have to pick it up fast. 917-889-8280, that is the number to call here tonight on Talking in Circles. Um, I want to talk about the NASCAR Xfinity Series race from uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, which we saw this week. Um, of course, it was a race that we – Witnessed it was a Cheddar's 300 presented by Osco. I'm sorry, no, that's not as good. That's not correct. That was not uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. My bad there. Um, and it was a race that uh, saw a lot of cautions. No, no question about it. But it was a race that saw um, Cobbush in victory lane there at Charlotte. Um, a race that saw a lot of cautions. A great finish there. At the end, Spencer, Daniel Hemrick ended up second. Then it was Austin Sindrick, Ross Chastain, and Justin Allgaier. A couple of big-name drivers uh, that got into issues. Brandon Jones had an issue. Um, Chase Briscoe had some issues. Um, but what were your thoughts on the Xfinity Series race at Charlotte Motor Speedway? Yeah, I thought it was uh, – I thought it was decent. You know, um, there was 
good battles up front. Um, clean air is still key, and it always will be key. Um, but I felt like there was good battles up front between Ross and Bush. Uh, made it really exciting. Um, you know, unfortunately, Kyle Bush won. He's just that good in him, even with a car that's uh, not the best. He can still go out there and win. Um, and then Cendric, you know, a lot of guys had really good days. Um, yet, you know, me and you talked when you were here down the 500, you said that you thought Ross was going to run away with the championship. And I would sit here and would have agreed with you now. And they just haven't really done that. And I think they're getting closer. So what he did and was competing with Kyle Busch door to door, not really giving, letting him buy easy, um, you know, and that's a Chevy, you know, so they found speed and they're getting a little bit closer, but I thought the race was decent. Um, I enjoyed it. You know, even if it was bad, I'm still excited racing's back. I'm going to be as positive as I can about it. But um, it was all right. You know, Kyle Busch won. What can you do? Um, I think that makes number 97. So uh, incredible what he's been able to do. And, you know, we might complain about him winning a lot, but it's it's truly remarkable that we can witness um, what he's been able to do in the years that we've watched it. And it's uh, pretty remarkable. Yeah, it was win 97 for Kyle Busch. It'll be interesting to see if he keeps up that kind of that notion that he's going to quit when he gets 100 Xfinity Series wins. It'll be interesting to see that. I just don't see it happening considering, um, you know, just how much he goes, he enjoys going down and winning all those races. Uh, how about you, Phil? Real fast. I mean, Spencer's right. Ross Chastain showed up for the first time all year in this Xfinity Series. Uh, that was kind of promising to see if you're a Chastain fan, if you're a fan of Chevrolet, if you're a fan of Richard Childress, since Cole Racing has a big um, association with them. Anything stand out to you from that Xfinity Series race? Of course, Kyle Busch winning and led 94 laps had a big day. But anything stand out to you, Philip, from that Xfinity Series race? Yeah, I mean, I talked, I mean, I, I mean Spencer, I think, is Ross Gastain's number one fan. But we've all kind of been on this show, been uh, showing respect to him. Definitely the first time this year that he has shown kind of that same potential that he showed last year for Nice and Motorsports. And he made Cobblish earn it. And he led a lot of laps and he earned a lot of points. And when you consider how many points, I don't know how many points he had coming in, but he had, he, he probably gained about 20% of his points in one shot. And all of a sudden now, after not really having a great start to the season, with the misfortune that Chase Briscoe had, Sindrick's run that he had on uh, Monday or whatever, he's right back in this deal. So, I mean, Chastain doing what he did. Emmerich, who's had a rough start to the season, getting a finish. Just finishing is, is something on the eighth side uh, with Hamrick, uh in a year where he was hoping to make something happen to possibly angle himself maybe to get back to the Cup Series. Uh, all Geyer, he had technical issues, radio issues, and got the top five finish out of that deal. you got to give credit to Brandon Brown, one of the smaller teams, to be able to get a top ten finish there, albeit maybe got the field record than Noah Gregson and some of these other people. But, uh, I mean, I think a lot of crashing was happening because the cars were loose because they had to drive those things. There was no downforce, and there's more horsepower. Uh, and it's interesting. I, I hope with now that they're going to have the dash for cash, we'll be able to see some of these regulars establish themselves and, in you know, not just from because of who I'm a fan of, but for, you know, you, the Rosses of the world and Cindric and he somehow went on an oval. It doesn't seem all that far-fetched anymore. I think there's a lot of potential here in this Xfinity series, not in terms of really a depth thing, but in terms of the ability to have a lot of different winners once we, we get away from uh, Kyle Busch benefits. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see the uh, how the six hundred series goes when we get away from Kyle Busch because that's me and these Cup guys. That is to me when really the, the cream rises to the top. You know, you still haven't seen all guy. Although I will say, Junior Motorsports seems to be 
uh, pretty good. Another guy I was very impressed with on Saturday was um, Brett Moffitt, who the Al Motorsports yeah. car, you know, he, he's kind of given those team, that team a, a, a team freshly out of the box. Gives him a nice start there. Good job by Brett Moffitt. And you're right, Philip. I mean, um, you look at the points right now in the Xfinity Series. Chastain is only about, um, you know, 12 back of the 12 leader. So, yeah. So, I mean, he's right there. After, you know, we've been kind of saying, what's going on with that 10 team? What's going on with that 10 team? He's right there. So, uh, you know, it's his for the taking. We go to Bristol. If you missed it, Xfinity race this weekend was on is on Saturday. They've moved it in the last couple of days. If you haven't seen it, the Xfinity race will now be Monday night from Bristol after the Cup race, which runs on Sunday. I guess they had you know storm the, the storms with everything going on. NASCAR trying to pick up some stuff, move it from Charlotte to Bristol. Uh, they just gave themselves an extra day to do that. So um, the Xfinity race is on Monday night. So we'll take we'll watch that there uh, on that night. And NASCAR also we saw the Truck Series NASCAR Gander outdoors and having the Texas event um, from Charlotte Motor Speedway, North Carolina Education Lottery 200. It was a race that was won by Chase Elliott. Kyle Busch finished second. Third, the third position um, was Zane Smith, Brett Moffitt fourth, Sheldon Creed was fifth, John Hunter Nemechek sixth, Johnny Soder, Tomajewski, Austin Hill, and is uh, your top, Austin Hill and Ben Rose is your top ten now from the uh, truck series event from um, Charlotte Motor Speedway. So it was a it was a race that the bounty was up. You know, a lot of people were kind of questioning that, and it really was kind of up in the air unofficially until uh, Kevin Harvick came out and said, "Yeah, we're still going to do it, but we're going to donate to charity." So the bounty was still out for anybody who could beat Kyle Busch. Chase Elliott, running for GMS Racing, goes out there and. Uh, Boom, wins and beats Kyle Busch. And then, not only that, he does the Kyle Busch bow on top of it. Spencer, what were your thoughts there when uh, Chase Elliott went to victory lane in the Truck Series race at Charlotte Motor Speedway? Well, I thought thought the 42 watermelon truck was going to have a better day than what it did. And um, there was a few contenders up there that would have given – that would have, yeah, that would have given, uh, um, you know, a ru- chase a run for his money, and and Kyle Busch a run for the money, and there's a few guys that you know had some problems, and um, but Chase was fast, he was, and um, you know, accident cost Ross um, to go out there and compete a little bit better than what he did, but I thought it was fun, um, it was exciting, um. You know, the money going to the charity for the pandemic is uh, great. Um, I'm sure the drivers wish they, you know, get to keep that in their pocket. But, you know, Chase sounds very happy that it's getting to go to um, a charity and help out, you know, all the people that have been affected by this. So um, he makes enough money anyway. So anyways, um, and then Kyle Busch, you know, he said um, was, you know, nice. You know, that's what this thing was for. That's why GMS did this deal. It was fun. I thought the bow that he did was great. Now there's T-shirts being made of that, so it's fun. I mean, this this the sport and the drivers' attitudes and what they're doing is I think is great. You know, it brings a lot of excitement, uh, a lot of ratings, um, a lot of talks in NASCAR about just him doing the bow. Brought a lot of social media, um, you know, talk out, and it, it's fun. I mean, I enjoyed every bit of it. You know, congrats to Chase and for Bush to get a little bit mad. Uh, we're used to it, so. Um, you know, he should be, um, yeah, unfortunately, sad that he can't go to charity and help uh, all the wives and girlfriends out there that are trying to have kids. But, um, you know, it still goes to a good cause. And glad it was uh, – it, it took one race for somebody to beat him, and that was it. Yeah, it really did. It was kind of uh, something I think a lot of people expected to last a little bit longer than one race, but um, certainly didn't with Chase Elliott. Uh, you know, a lot of people – a lot of people's eyes opened up really to Zane Smith here uh, on on uh, on Tuesday night, I guess it was, for the Truck Series race. He had a really strong truck all night, ended up finishing third, a good run for him. But uh, really the thing that stands out to me was just GMS Racing and how good they were uh, for their trucks finishing the top five. So uh, a strong run for them. Uh, anything else that stands out to you, Philip, 
um, from the Truck Series race at Charlotte? I mean, it's great that that the old Clyde is starting to open up, get out of his shell, maybe showing a little personality. It's good because he's the anointed one. He's the chosen one for Hendrick, and he's, he's going to be the most popular driver for the next, like, 15 years, and it, it's something where him going and beating Kyle Busch is a good thing for this sport. If Kyle was mad that they made a tactical or like a mechanical error in just get bringing the truck in a prepped situation, I I, I thrive on Kyle Busch being buffered. I I don't know why, but I just do. So the the fact that he that that happened is kind of nice. I mean, Gallagher, the GMS going and running the way they did isn't shocking because they are a tough effort. They have Hendrick engines. You have to consider that they are the top. Them and Nice are the two Chevy teams, but definitely GMS is a step ahead because they have the Hendrick connection. Brett Moffitt coming off of breaking both his legs and having a top 10 finish in an Xfinity car with a new team, as you said earlier, Clayton, and then going and getting a fourth-place finish running when he was starting mid-pass. Because this is the first time I think the Truck Series has had 40, 40 starters since 1995 or 1990, something like that. I mean, Zane Smith started 30th and he finished third. Uh, he that's an impressive run for them. But GMS, this this points battle once it starts kind of you know going out, it's going to be intense to try to make this playoff in the the truck series. Once we get Kyle Busch out of there, once he runs his five races, it's going to be intense to try to go and make this playoff, which is why. I like the truck series of how few drivers make it into the playoffs. So, you know, credit to the GMS team for bringing some good trucks. Old Clyde going and beating uh, uh, Kyle in an iRacing truck, no less. All the people that hate uh, sim racing, that's kind of convenient. Him doing the bow, uh, probably got some uh, help from his buddy YRB on that. So, uh, it's cool to see. Uh, we'll see what happens in terms of the next truck race. The one shows up for that. Yeah, uh, the next truck race is at Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's Saturday, June 6th uh, for the next truck series race. It will not run um, at Bristol this weekend. It's just a cup and a truck event, and there's no races during the week, except if you consider Monday for the Xfinity, but there's no races during the week next week for cup, which kind of feels a little weird after two weeks of having races during the week. Um, and then uh, they go to Atlanta for the truck series. And then they go to uh, Homestead, Miami Speedway, on Saturday, June 13th. So far, that's all that's been announced here um, on the NASCAR side of things for the Truck Series. As far as the schedule is concerned, sure, here next week we're going to get a lot more um, stuff and a lot more things uh, figured out as far as the schedule is concerned. I know Pocono is pretty much announced at the end of at the end of the uh, month of June with a doubleheader weekend there. No fans there for Pocono. Uh, but I think it was either the track president or the governor came out and, and today and sort of basically announced that they were going to do that, but they can do it without fans. So uh, it sounds like that's going to happen on the on the scheduled week uh, that it was supposed to happen, You'll but just without fans. For Atlanta. Yeah, I know David Reagan driving a truck. That's going to be interesting to see what he can do uh, driving for DG Crosley, DJ Crosley. But um, I want to focus now on Bristol Motor Speedway and what we think we're going to see here, guys in the last little bit of this show. And it's a, it's so different because um, we haven't seen a short track yet with with uh, this new pandemic. I know Darlington is Darlington. It's not really a mile and a half, but it you know it kind of runs like a short track. But this is the first true short track for the motor speedway under a mile, of course, half mile, uh, head banks, and a lot of pushing and shoving I'm sure we're going to see on Sunday without practice, without qualifying. Uh, it's just going to be go out. You know, you're, it's kind of crazy to think they're going to go to Bristol where stuff happens so, so fast, and they're going to go there without any practice or qualifying. What do you think we're going to see, and who do you think is going to be fast here 
I'll start with Spencer, then we'll go to Philip. Who do you think is going to be fast here on Sunday when we go to Bristol Motor Speedway? Well, I'd honestly like to say Kyle Busch, but with their issues that they're having, I don't really know. Um, but it's Bristol, and he's so dominant there. Um, Kurt really liked that racetrack. You know, he won there in 2018 with Stuart Haas, so you got to look out for him. Um, and then Chase. I mean, Chase, you know, he said today in an interview um, that he really loves this racetrack. He really likes coming here. And, you know, him and Larson battled for the lead um, there a lot, you know, last year. Um, so, heck, who knows? We could very well see him uh, go back-to-back and um, keep his phenomenal uh season going that he's having um these past weeks so um there's a few guys to really look out for and then there's you know a few guys you know it's a short track so you don't really have to have a ton of speed um you know hell hell, we can see reddick up there battling um you know he was good there in the xfinity series so you know he's been strong so there's definitely a few guys you can look at um but it's going to be exciting short track racing is um i've really grown to be a big fan of it so i'm ready how about you philip i mean again it's a doubleheader weekend it's Cup on Sunday, Xfinity on Monday. What do you think we're going to see at, at Bristol, and who do you think is going to be fast? I'll, I'll go out there. I'll go and do a little uh, go out on a limb. I'll go Matthew Benedetto. He's, he finished second uh, last uh, August in the night race. Very emotional finish there. He's going to have a top 10 start in the race, uh, number 21. He's He's done well at Bristol. He took freaking DK Racing and the toilet that he had to drive to them, finishing the top ten with with that. So it's a track that he runs well at. The Reddit people that love him so much, it's it's a track where he could do something. Penske has a good setup for both the 550 and the 750 package. So. Who knows? Maybe a first. This would be the second time that the 21 team has had a first win uh, at Bristol in recent memory. Uh, last 20 years, of course, when you consider Elliot Sadler uh, won his first race uh, for, in his top career at Bristol with the Wood Brothers. I think uh, when you look at the the lineup, I would go and look at the Toyotas. Or being able to do something, uh, Bush and Truex, to be specific. I mean, Eric Jones should have won the night race last year, and he hit the wall. So, and he's up there too. Uh, the 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 Reddicks of the world, John Hunter Nemechek, those rookies who are really taking that step forward, showing what they are and what they truly could be. They have a chance on Sunday. To, to make a name for themselves. And I hope for a good race because the fact of the matter is after watching these 550, you know, nonsense, I, I, I just want something where they say I'm loose, I have a hard time, I have to get off the gas, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I need, I need that. I, I can't deal with this wide-open IRL crap that they've been with the 550 rules back. So, um, yeah, I'm with you there for sure, Philip. Um, you know, it's going to be nice to go to short track. And I think you're right. I think you're going to, you could see some of these smaller teams come out and have a really solid day. And I think we've seen it where maybe the engineering isn't as big of a, a factor with these teams initially because making these adjustments to these cars because they don't have practice. And these smaller teams who come with it with a good setup, you know, you're not totally – usually when you come to a racetrack with a good setup, you only really show it in practice. And then these bigger teams say, oh, we'll, we'll go to work, and they go to work Saturday to put all the data in there, and they get engineers together, and they just blow them out of the water. Um, that's not the case right now. You actually show your hand when you bring a, a solid uh, race car to, to the racetrack. Um, and vice versa, you know, if you come to the racetrack and you're struggling – as a bigger team or as a smaller team, um, you know, yeah, that shows too early on in the event. So um, somebody I'm really interested to keep an eye on is Matt Kenseth. And I know I'm kind of maybe sitting there going, uh, well, you know, what did you expect kind of deal? But I thought they ran like – I thought they had a, he had a horrible week at Charlotte. For whatever reason, I know he had some issues and 
this week on, on Wednesday or Thursday last night, he had he tried to spin out of somebody's way and he, he got involved and never really got a strike position back, lost laps, whatever. But uh, to me, he's got to show that race where we saw him at Darlington in that first race back at Darlington where he finished in the top 10, ran in the top 10. I got to see that Matt Kenseth again before I say it's real. Um, and then he's back and he can compete for, for wins. And I think Bristol's a good chance for him to do that. So a lot to look at, no doubt about it, this weekend at Bristol. Again, Cup Series race on Sunday night, Xfinity race on Monday. We'll, bring, we'll talk about it all next week here on Talking Circus. I want to thank everybody for listening. Good night.